Oi, oi. Welcome to Dig It. This is The Speaker. I'm here with my co-host, The Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you guys doing? Feeling good. It's been raining all day, and I love the rain. Oh, that's nice. Ah, the rain is good. I'm ready to rock and roll. <laughs> ah, that's awesome, people. I think How are you the, doing? Oh, uh, yeah. You know me. <laughs> the, the, the girls are going to do most of the talking today. I'm still having a few uh, medical health problems that I'm dealing with. So the girls are going to rattle it out. It doesn't matter how sick I get. I'm not going to, I'm not going to miss the podcast with my two favorite people. Am I? <laughs> yeah. Lucky I got out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you actually got out of bed today? Like, so you're like doing the podcast, not in bed. <laughs> no, no, I actually, for anyone that doesn't know, I was doing the podcast in bed sometimes because I've got like a wireless headset. So just like lying here at like four in the morning. <laughs> Welcome to Dig It. <laughs> because, because we're on different time zones, it's so early in the morning for you. It is very early in the morning for yes, me. Yes. Like my, got like my lemon tea should help me. There you I'm go. Pretty, I'm pretty sure I don't have corona. That's a bonus. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. said there's only like 60 cases Case, in your Cases area. at the moment, yeah. Yeah. So that's just pretty good. So we're definitely going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the presidential race. Weinstein, this drug trafficking bust, which I don't know anything about, a big bill to help children, and a little bit about Trump and Sessions, and we're all going to weigh in on our opinion on those two. So let's kick it off, girls. What are we starting with? Let's talk about the primaries and yeah. more, more winning. <laughs> so I'm going to go down the list. It looks like Biden took the night on Tuesday night. Idaho, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota. Oh, sorry. North Dakota went to Sanders. Washington, last time I checked, it was still, you know, 70% reporting. And Sanders was slightly up. And, but it was kind of neck and neck, like 335,000 to 333,000. So we'll see where Washington state ends up. But as far as delegates go, Biden has 846 delegates, Sanders with 684. But again, the untold story is Trump. He blew away Biden in Idaho with 111,136. And this is nearly double his own vote total in 2016 at 62K. Yeah, baby. And then in Michigan, Trump got 639,143. These are the most votes ever for an incumbent president. And it was 320% higher than votes for Obama in 2012. So, yeah, yeah. He's been smashing records all, all around the place, isn't he? He is. So the enthusiasm is just off the charts. Like in Mississippi, there was, uh, he got 239,740 votes. That was more than Biden at 218. But that was more than the, the 239 was more than double the votes for Obama in 2012. And then in Missouri, again, more than four times Obama in 2012 and more than double Bush in 2004. So the enthusiasm level for Trump as an incumbent, just off the charts. And well, it's, it's because every time they think they're going to come up with their next hoax, the next way to take him down, all they're doing is pushing more votes to Trump because people are seeing right through their crap. Yep. I was kind of surprised with Michigan, with Biden taking Michigan, uh, considering how earlier that day Biden was in Detroit uh, telling a, an auto worker that he was, who had asked him about gun control, that he was full of shit and, <laughs> and, was, and he was a horse's ass. It was a, perf <laughs> it's a perfectly reasonable question. Yeah. Right. Right. There was nothing. There was nothing malice about it. He was just repeating something that Joe said earlier uh, about taking guns away, and he did say it. So it wasn't full of shit. There's actually video going around of him saying that, and he just it just flew off the handle. And that's now like it's kind of sad to sad to see a little bit. Like the man is clearly in stages of some sort of dementia or whatever it is. Right, but, and with everything going on right now, it's playing to his advantage because he doesn't have to be seen losing his mind. 
because they're closing right. the rallies. Yes. So I was going to bring that up. Bernie is facing pressure to drop out with no real clear way to win the nomination. He'd have to have 55% of the remaining delegates moving forward. And if he starts losing big donors and they start going over to Joe Biden, then he may actually withdraw. The question is when. And now we have Bernie and Joe facing off in a Democratic debate scheduled for this Sunday, which you had just mentioned is now going to no longer have an audience due to the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So we'll see when when or if Bernie withdraws. Both candidates have canceled upcoming rallies because of coronavirus. Bernie may choose to stay in the race for a bit longer, considering he, he may be kind of hoping and clinging to Joe Biden making some more gaffes. Yeah, because what was the recent, the most recent one, I think, was when Joe Biden was walking towards his car and said something like, well, it surprised me that that Bernie's with Trump or something to that effect. Did you guys see that one? Yeah, that was right after the the worker thing, right after he had a he had his meltdown, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was, I saw asked, that. he was asked the question about the worker, and he went on and said this other random thing. Yeah, totally random. Not related. And, and to I the saw question. earlier, just a few hours ago, and just a reminder again, people, we record on Wednesday due to the different time zones. <laughs> So that's why we don't have the final results yet of the one. But I think it was CNN was saying that Bernie was getting ready to announce that he's staying in it. So, I mean, you know, I think we all know where this is heading. And I mean, who knows? It could take some total turn, but I doubt it. We got way too many of deep state back in Biden here. So I, I called this. You guys called me crazy. Look, I, I think that they're banking. It. They're banking on they, they're propping Joe Biden up but I feel like they're just using him to get in and then, you know, replacing him once he gets killed off. <laughs> that's, where my, that's where my sick mind goes. <laughs> well, we have, we have a lot of people pushing the theory that either Klobuchar or Kamala Harris or Hillary Clinton or Michelle Obama's is going to end up going in with him and then he'll be gone and then they'll take over type thing. Um, or or that Biden becomes so unfit that at the convention they say we need to yank him and we're going to bring in someone else and we want Hillary Clinton or something to that effect Um, she has been making a lot of public appearances lately she has I can understand why people think that I mean it's just kind of way our brain goes I personally don't think it's going to happen but that's just my personal view as far as Hillary or as far as anyone replacing as him? Far, as far as Hillary. I haven't felt that way myself. I, I, haven't, I haven't felt this way the whole time. Even, even the Michelle Obama thing, I, I, I can't really see. It. Oh, no, I never felt that one at all. See, see it happening. But look, it, people see things differently and people have their own opinions. And that's why we do what we do. It's completely fine to have your own analysis of things. And I will, I will eat my words if I'm wrong. But... Um, yeah. I just yeah I just I just don't see it happening but I do I do possibly see maybe some sort of replacement they'd have to I mean absolutely well, they know they know that he's he's senile or in the the, the the early stages of dementia they know this and I think that it would be if I'm just thinking as one of them it would be unwise to not have a backup plan so of course they're going to have to have someone um, at the VP level who can step in and run the operation for them uh, when Biden is either, you know, no longer fit to be a candidate or a president. I think they, like we all know, no one's going to win against Trump. Not, not including any election fraud. I'm just talking straight up as far as votes go. No one can beat him. And they all know this. So they're buying their time right now. And they're going to pull everyone in that. So in a sense, do they really give a crap how Biden is right now? Because they know they don't have a, have a prayer. Mm-hmm. Having said that, we've now got them pushing for, you know, because of the coronavirus, we need to do voting by mail and make this universal. And so as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, yeah. oh here we go. Uh, there we go. So yeah. You know, they're going to they're gonna try everything they possibly can. Absolutely. Well, it was interesting because I um 
I, I, I went on one of these tweets today that was that had that gave Biden a bit of a like a bit of stick. And then this one person commented underneath, I supported Bernie all the way, but now it's time to vote blue no matter who. I saw that and I retweeted it because all the comments underneath were hardcore Bernie bros and they're not having it, man. That they, they, they won't vote for Sand. Uh, they, they won't they won't vote for Biden. Oh yeah. Right? I was having a conversation with someone like a week ago who was a Bernie supporter and we probably didn't agree on ninety percent of things, but we were having a civil conversation, you know, on, on Twitter. And of course, a, a Trumper who I think was not really a Trumper, but chimed in and was like, like, how dare you chat with this person? <laughs> it was <pretty laughs> funny. But, but she said, I asked her, I said, I'm really curious, you know, with how they screwed over Bernie and everything, because she couldn't stand Hillary. She can't stand the DNC. She refuses to vote for Biden. She's like, screw this, you know, vote blue automatically. She was, she was really mad. So it does. It makes me wonder if some of these Bernie supporters are, if any of them are going to flip to Trump versus how many would flip to Biden. I, I, I can see them mostly just not voting at all. I mean, me half, these people, half these people comments are, you know, but Biden isn't blue. He's a Republican, but with a blue tie. I, I don't believe that. I, I do believe he's, no. he's a neo, neocon liberal. Why would they vote for Biden? When when the DNC is you know completely obliterated their guy Bernie, mm. I mean, yeah. but that's worse than for the second than if time. they were to vote for Trump for the second time, right? So I think that it's just going to disenfranchise a lot of Democratic voters uh, because when Socialist Biden voters. right <laughs> Biden gets the ticket gets the nomination, it's going to disenfranchise all of those guys. I don't see that many of them going, oh, well, I'll vote for Biden. And if they do, they'll probably slip in somewhere independent or for some greens or something. I'm sure you've got some greens running. The DNC is really just, once again, um, going to look at every possible way to work the system, tweak the system, you know, defraud the system to try to win it. Because they know, like you were saying, Corey, there's just no way, the numbers, there's no enthusiasm behind Joe Biden. And Hillary would, would be a sinking ship. They, the, many on the left can't stand Hillary. So all I feel all they're doing at this point is buying their time. They're trying to stretch this out to November and get away with as much as they can while avoiding, you know, prosecution and all that good stuff. Their, their only plan has never been to have a nominee that is worthy of being a nominee, that is able to take on Trump and take on his policies and actually do something for the American people. Their whole tactic to get in their person was to paint Trump as a bad guy. And they continue to do this and they've done it for three years. But that's mm -hmm. their game plan. Their game plan has never been, let's be better. Oh, no, definitely right? not. <laughs> right? The game plan's always been the other guy's worse. That's it. Right, right. So what do you guys think about this whole Trump Sessions thing going on? Oh, I'll give you my opinion. I, and, and I think that we may have some differing opinions so we can kind of debate it and see where other people lie on this topic. But uh, Trump endorsed Tommy Tuberville over Jeff Sessions on Tuesday. And uh, this is for the Alabama Senate primary runoff. And this was in a tweet so Trump, Trump said Tommy is someone who will never let MAGA or CAG or the country down. Now, this was obviously taken as a dig against Sessions, and Sessions was removed um, as attorney general in November of 2018, reportedly due to Sessions' recusal from the Russia probe and Trump being upset about that. However, there's this firm belief among many in the MAGA movement and in the Q movement that Sessions was and has been a key player in this chess game and that his role was and has always uh, been part of the plan. And I personally do share that sentiment, but I think that there's kind of a different, 
differing opinions on this, so we'll talk about it. But could be yet again another move on the chessboard, kind of like Ratcliffe moving into the DNI, kind of like Mark Meadows taking a role in the White House uh, as chief of staff and so on. So that's how I see it. Uh, I feel like people in Alabama can decide. Uh, the president's made his choice on who he's going to endorse. Uh, for Alabama, but I also trust that people will make the right decision. And this runoff vote will take place March 31st. So regardless of what happens, I, I truly believe Sessions is a great patriot. He's an asset to the MAGA movement, whether he takes on a role, you know, at, at, as in this position in Alabama or somewhere else, I know he's going to have a role in draining the swamp. So that's my opinion. So Here's my thoughts. I know, all right, so a lot of people say he's a great patriot, and maybe that's the case, and some of his record shows that. But as far as when he got in under, under Trump in the administration there, we don't have concrete evidence and proof of very much of what was done by him before he was removed. So right now, that's kind of speaking a bit in hypotheticals. And towards the beginning, I did feel like there was a bit of a ruse going on there. And especially with how Trump was playing it off and tweeting about it back then, because it was very similar to how he basically, you know, runs the Dems, <laughs> he runs the game and the lead on all of that. But as time went on, I started feeling a little differently. And then when I saw this uh he actually had there was a dig was it roughly a week ago he had a he had a dig at sessions prior to this endorsement and then came just came out with this on um the 11th so to me when you're talking about running for senate and he is endorsing the person who's running against you this is no longer playing a game, creating a ruse, all optics. I mean, that's, that's a serious, serious cut because as we know, the, I, I believe I'd have to look at the statistics, but I believe the majority of the people that Trump endorses tend to get elected. So for me, I feel like, you know, without judging sessions and getting so much into him and just talking about the Trump versus sessions thing, whether or not this is all for optics, I, I think he's done with sessions. What do you think speaker? Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, I, th I think a lot, a lot on your lines, Corey. I don't think, I don't think sessions is a bad person. I don't think he's got any bad agendas or anything. I think he, he, he served to the best of his ability, and I think he served Trump well. But like you said, there's no concrete evidence of what, he's, of, of what he did behind the scenes there. A lot of us speculated that he did a lot. I'm one of them. But now it seems like it's a bit late to be playing a game at the moment, like you said. Like, mm -hmm. like this, this Senate position, it seems like just an ideal situation to get someone that you know is MAGA to the Senate. So it's, just, it's very confusing to me at the moment. And I am going to kind of fence it on that a little bit and watch what happens because I don't, I don't think I can make a real intelligent um, well, analysis in, in, of it. And Alabama is a really strong state as far as uh, Republicans and cleaning out the swamp. Right now they hold, they hold the, they hold it all. The Republicans hold it all in Alabama. In fact, I'm in the process of writing an article right now that'll probably be out Thursday or Friday by the time we publish this, it's out <laughs> having to do with this very specific bill. And it's because it's much bigger than this. And I was so excited. I was jumping up and down when I saw this yesterday. So Alabama just passed a bill through the Senate that will protect children under the age of 19 from gender altering treatments, including performing vasectomies, castrations, hysterectomies, or prescribing puberty blockers, even with parental consent. So it makes it a Class C felony, which is punishable by up to 10 years. It was a 22 to 3 vote, and it's now passed the Senate. It's called the Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act, and it's now moving to the House, which it's expected to pass. 
South Yay! Dakota. I know. I was, you know, I felt like I just like had my own personal win because you guys know how hard I've been fighting on this whole transgender agenda thing. And last November, I did a four-part extensive report on that. I went on a bunch of shows to talk about it. I went on a doctor's radio show and did a video summary on my report. And I was just hammering the heck out of it because it's so much bigger than most people realize. You went on tour for that one. <laughs> I was burnt out after that when I was just toast. So, but also, so South Dakota, they also passed a very similar one through their house and now it's moving to the Senate, but there's more than that. So you got to read my article because I cover like everyone needs to be paying to legislation because this is like going to sweep across the country. You watch. I hope so. Yes. Very exciting. And more exciting news, Weinstein gets 23 years. Yes. And he's still got one more case to go, hasn't he? I know. I, I think so, because last time we talked about this, they hadn't even set a court date yet for, I believe it was the case going on in Los Angeles, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's done. Oh, he's I done. Mean, he's done. That's it. Yeah. Pretty much for life at this point. Well, 23 years. He's 67 years old. He's not in good health. I mean, good grief. After the the hearing on the 24th where he was uh, convicted, he spent 10 days in the hospital. They were removing a blockage from his heart. He had heart surgery. He's been in the infirmary at Rikers. He fell and hit his head. So the man's not doing very well. And from what I hear, Rikers, of all the prisons to be at, Rikers is pretty rough. So I, and if yeah. I'm just going to put this out there right now. If I start hearing crazy theories going around saying he didn't really fall, he's going in there so they could switch out his body for a body double. I'm just going to drive off a cliff. I'm <laughs> 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 just putting that out there right now. And, and honestly, if anything, I, I, I don't know. People are saying, well, maybe he'll flip on some people and, Weinstein to me is the kind of man who would actually try to take himself out because he, he couldn't handle that situation. I mean, most people couldn't handle that situation, but him especially used to, used to just like owning people and running people and getting his way and having his luxuries. Epstein was the same though, Corey. Running people, he had money. Uh, yeah. There's a different energy about them. I, I suspect Epstein was probably a little tougher than Weinstein. I think he's a mess though. And, and, and you can see it. You can see it with everything leading up to it. That this this whole situation has broken him mentally and physically, obviously. Also, taking out Epstein, you know. I'm sure that's yeah, scaring him as well. I think it's really blindsided him, meaning he went on this way for so long, and it was part of a culture, a much larger culture that he was part of. Meaning it wasn't just him operating just on his own, but it was just, this is Hollywood culture. And so I think he was just blindsided, like, wait, what? You could tell he was shocked, yeah. Like, just, this, this has yeah. always been going on. This has always been the way it was, and everybody was okay with it. Right. And so... Oh, they knew. They knew. Right. Well, what I was trying to say about Epstein is Epstein to them was worth taking out. They needed to take him out. He, he knew a lot. He knew way too much. Weinstein, another story. It's probably going to be by his own demise. I, I don't see them being all scared about, I don't know. I just don't. I'm in agreement. Because, like, even though Weinstein got photo ops and all that with Hillary, I think mm -hmm. behind the scenes and the stuff that he was doing was more with people of Hollywood than with politicians. Right. But we, do, we do know that crossover. Absolutely. Uh, but, but with Epstein, I saw it more as political leaders, world leaders, yeah. stuff on a higher step. Definitely. Um, not that Definitely. Hollywood isn't a high step. Well, right. you just have to understand that this is the culture of Hollywood. It's a very predatorial society. I mean, we just saw or heard about Corey Feldman's story this week, and that's a whole other ball well, we, of wax. We can, we can talk about that while we're here. Okay, but the point being is that, you know, and, and this was, I, I believe, referred to, I didn't see the film, so this is just what I've heard, is that, of course, Char Charlie Sheen was named to be an alleged abuser of Corey Haim. And Jar Charlie Sheen was alleged to have said to Corey Haim, this is the way it is. This, it, like it was a club. 
Like now you're part of the club. The older guys mess with the younger guys. This is how it is. Now you're in. This is the, the way it goes from now on. Just reminds me of like, there's just this broad epidemic of not just, you know, sexual abuse, but pedophilia in Hollywood. And Harvey Weinstein was just part of it. And so I think he was shocked that he was busted when everyone else was doing the same thing. Right. Well, with, with, with that Corey Feldman thing again, and naming Shane, he's named Shane in the past. That, that's nothing new. Shane's been on that radar for a while. Actually tried to take Corey to court and sue him because of it, and Corey Haynes' mother stuck up for Charlie Shane. Interesting. She, yeah, did. she did. She went on Dr. Oz or something. I don't think Haynes' mother had all of the information. That's my take. That's a pretty strong thing to take the side of I know. allegedly your son's abuser. Right. That's, right. That's, that's, that's a pretty strong thing to do. I mean, we all know families are messed up. I, mm. I can't say either way. You know, well, like, I, I do believe something happened to those two kids, undoubtedly. Right. Uh, but I think the way Fieldman's going about it at the moment is more like a cash grab. So, so what's he doing now? So it was like everyone paid $20 to go see this, and then all of a sudden it was being hacked and they couldn't air it. So now he's going to re-air it or something. It's like this thing that keeps dragging on. Yeah. He sort of staged his documentary, $20 to stream it, had like an whole audience of people and stuff. And I, I posted a recording of it the other day of when he was on the phone to his technical people. And I'm, I'm sorry, but it seemed like some really bad acting to me. It, it did look really, I watched that. I saw your tweet. It was pretty bad. It just seems like some really bad acting to me, man. Like when you got people on the other side going, you know, the attack's too tough. We can't fight them off. That's some bullshit. Come on. Like you don't, you don't deal with hackers that way for starters, right? Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if his site got hacked. We kind of knew going okay. into this because how long edge, has he been working on this? on the other side of the opinions today. I like it. Continue. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I really hate criticizing people that I know are probably victims of abuse, even oh, if I, I think it. they're 100%. guilty of doing other things that I'm not really in favor of. Like the way right. that Corey Feldman went about this whole disclosure, I was not in favor of the way he chose to do that. Right. And because we kind of saw this coming a long time ago. And so this is unfortunate because the story is now shifted from the way Corey Feldman handled it versus what it should be about, which is the victims and what happened to them and who the, the abusers are. Exactly. And yeah. So that, that's what is frustrating to me. But I, I really just, you know, don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole because like, I don't feel comfortable criticizing people who are i i believe legitimate victims well i i well i think they're criticizing and i don't think you are i don't think you are it's just when you do it publicly then it's just like you know it it stirs stuff up on both sides (laughs) right oh that's fine things can get stirred up on both sides there's like look look, i've i've seen plenty of like i said prior i believe something happened to those two kids i'm not doubting that oh absolutely but over the years and the response that has been to Fieldman with a lot of things, he's been, he's been grifting uh, off, off this for a while. Like this disclosure has been coming for what, 25 years, right? Mm. Had, had, how long is he stringing it out for? I've seen, I, I, I did a bit of research on this yesterday because I was extremely curious about when he had his band going and he was taking in troubled girls apparently that became part of his band that were called Corey Fieldman's Angels. And there is videos all over YouTube of these women saying how they were treated by him. Hmm. That shit's all over YouTube. Hmm. Right? I've never so, seen that. Yeah, so I, I was looking it up yesterday because I found it extremely interesting. And a lot of them said, you know, their working conditions were terrible. They were abused mentally, um, emotionally. I think there is things around him that he can be criticized for. But I also think he is a victim. When we talk about Weinstein and then we segue into Feldman, really the broader thing is what can we expect going forward in the wake of the fall of Weinstein? I feel like he was just kind of one domino and I'm hoping we'll see some more. Oh, absolutely we will. We've already seen a, a ton 
A ton. And well, well, well the with, floodgates have been open on Hollywood. I mean, you got you got Epstein, Weinstein, and Nixium. Those are three pretty prominent in the news. You know, I think Epstein was probably one of the bigger wake up calls for people. And, and people and, that were just waking up. And and you had stars prior to that starting to fall where you could start seeing the eventual decline, such as Spacey and Cosby. So Right. Cosby was kind of the start. I think the illusion and the illustriousness and the glitz and the glamour of Hollywood is just starting to crumble and shatter. And I think it's glorious because behind it, you just see how ugly and sick and dirty it really is. Mm -hmm. And then so you stop listening to these people as they get up in front of their audience at the Oscars and they preach from their podiums about how we should behave, how we should vote, how we should use our purchasing power, what we should believe in. When you see the hypocrisy of these people, many of whom have participated in this kind of activity of sexual abuse, predatorial abuse, pedophilia. Or defended those who have. Right. So tell us what's going on with the whole, um, I didn't have a chance to look at that. Did you look at the big drug bust that's going on right now, Edge? Yeah, I checked out this. Um, so the DAJ on Wednesday did a press conference all about this project called Project Python. And what they announced in this press conference is that they are in phase one of Project Python, which is basically the takedown of a major drug trafficking Mexican cartel called CJNG. CJNG, they are responsible for trafficking a a lot of the drugs that come to America. They do a lot of gun running and money laundering as well. The DOJ announced that um, as a part of this project of phase one, they've gotten 700 people so far just this morning or Wednesday morning. They served 100 search warrants and arrested 250 people. And this is just phase one. Then they go into phase two after they interrogate these people and start breaking wide open this network. I found it interesting, and maybe I just haven't paid enough attention to the takedown of cartels. I found it interesting while in the midst of this, they're coming out with it. Like what you just said about interrogations and then taking more down. Like there's, there's hmm, strategy behind this. Right. I don't know. They don't usually announce things until it's done. Right. I mean, we're in the middle of interrogations and we're going to find the rest of you. It just seems a little odd to me. It does. It does. Maybe it's a warning. I'm not really sure what their, what their motives are in coming forward this inform- with this information, but it is great information to know. It's a win for those yep. of us that are looking for arrests, looking for breaking up these operations. We understand that these cartels, you know, they've allegedly bribed politicians on both sides, on Mexican and American side. The more we can take down the cartels, the money, the dirty money, the more that we can break up the deep state, their funding. So it's a win all around, really. Especially with being, you know, these cartels run more than just drugs. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's definitely some human trafficking and guns and well, anything they can make, make a dollar on, you know? Yeah. yeah well, that, that, that would be the two main, well, I'll use the quotation marks, product that they'd be moving and uh, look like with, with these cartels and stuff it's great that they're taking down the big ones now the ones that are connected and they have been for the last two years how, how many of these things have we seen over the last two years whether it be drug bus bus of child traffickers human traffickers what was his name god i just drew a total blank who was it, in the cell next and epstein was in there oh, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so th- these are real big takedowns and these are obviously people that are connected with officials in some way, some officials. Look, these things will never stop. There will always be another gang, another place to come take their places. But taking down the big guns and stemming it and making it 10 times harder for them is, is what we're seeing at the moment. It's really, really good to see. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have to go here. I know everyone's probably sick of hearing about it, but... 
it's just really important because clearly it's, it's taking over a lot of people's lives right now, whether it's in their heads or in their local community, the coronavirus situation, which the WHO just declared today, it's a pandemic. There's been, as of today, as of this morning, there's been 29 deaths in the U.S. and 4,373 worldwide. What they never talk about is how many people are fully recovering. And there's been 66,239 people fully recovered. And in China, um, so the task force, I I try to watch as many of the um, pressers as I can when the coronavirus task force comes on and um, brings us all up to date. And they just said, Tuesday night, they just said that China had reported to have, it got them this information. You know, they're sharing their information and giving them updates over here. So China had nine pregnant women that tested positive for coronavirus. They delivered their babies and all the babies and moms are totally healthy. So um, I'm not suggesting that there's not something going on here, but guys, I just got to tell you, <laughs> you know how I map everything? Ah. <sighs> The fact that Ground Zero is 19 minutes from Bill Gates' house really grates me. It like makes me think of like, gosh, I don't want to get our podcast taken down. Like a serial killer with a signature who's got a front row seat and wants to have mementos from the event. And then it moves over just like a few miles from there and another one a few miles from there. And like this is four areas over there with the nursing homes and hospitals all put him in the middle of it very close proximity, like 10 minutes to one, 19 minutes to the other, 30 minutes to the other. It's just, it's just a little baffling to me. And I did actually start looking into the life care center and looking at Mr. Forrest Preston, the uh, owner who started that chain, which is the third largest chain in the U S of the nursing homes. Now I'm certainly not suggesting these people didn't die, but here's what's thrown me for a loop. So if if you look at the recent articles, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but the one who's like the director of the Life Care Center came out and they said he comes clean and, and is sharing information and statistics and updates. Because that's where the majority of these 29 deaths took place. Is right. all right there. There were like 20 of them, right? I think so. Two in California, two in Florida, one in New Jersey, and one in, was it like South Dakota or something? I can't remember now. Don't hold me to that. Hold me to that. But what what threw me for a loop is I'm looking at the dates on this and I'm going, okay, so they just got 45 test kits in. So prior to this, they didn't have test kits, but they declared these people dead from the coronavirus. So did they run the autopsies and then afterward, you know, during the autopsy determine, well, they also had coronavirus kind of like they did with the cases of the measles. And again, I'm not suggesting they didn't have coronavirus. I'm just saying this is all very odd to me. But they are getting the test kits out. I'm sure most people have already seen. They've, they were getting another $4 million out this week. They declared that all the health insurance companies are going to run the tests for free. And I believe if they need any treatment, that might be covered as well. They're not supposed to even charge co-pays. So, and then our good friend, Ellie B., over in uh, Washington at her nursing home, I think has four cases now. So everyone send prayers out for her. I know she's got a little bit of an, a, a compromised immune system. So I'm like surrounding her with positive energy over there. Yeah. And then of course, Bill Gates comes out and says he's putting more money into some, some sort of treatments or remedies they're working on right now out in the Seattle area, I believe. So there's just... There's so much. I mean, look at what coma was it? Is it called Rochelle or New Rochelle in New York where they're bringing in the National Guard? Right, right. I think it's just Rochelle. Okay. And I don't remember how many cases were there. They said they're not going to be walking the streets. It's not like we're going to have police in the streets, but they're going to be here to protect us. Yeah, protect us. Mm. So they have like this radius, but then I was seeing today they were showing um, or stating that they were going to be sending people out to do food deliveries. So at first when I was watching it, it was like, people are free to come and go from their homes, but okay, now they're doing food deliveries. So does that mean they can't drive down the street to the grocery store? I, I don't know. 
Oh, wait, but there's one more funny thing. Did you guys see the little, <laughs> the little press release of Como sitting there with his hand sanitizer that says yes. <laughs> on it? And they're like making their own hand sanitizer to sell. And he's yelling at Amazon for price gouging. And our bottle is only going to be a dollar and 10 cents. And so we're going to have these and da, da, da. And I'm thinking, is that what they're doing with that 40 million? He just, you know, pulled, pulled over from his rush executive order. Yes, I did see him plugging the hand sanitizer that he made the prisoners make. <laughs> I was like, am I really seeing this right now? It's just, so here's what's, okay. I want to get your guys' take on this. So here's what I see. So I see like New York, of course, they're always the first. They're always the first in things to when propaganda is going out. So we're calling in the National Guard and we're putting this town on lockdown. And granted, it's, I think it's only for like two weeks. And then you've got on the news, they were talking about, they didn't say names, but they said one of the passengers of a cruise ship is filing a lawsuit against them, which is ridiculous, saying that they knew they should have known about this and they were putting us at risk, but the cruise ship didn't actually know about it until long after they had had left port, you know, but, but the point of it is I'm watching this going, I see what they're doing here. They're trying to scare all the bigger companies into liability suits, like not into suits, but trying to scare them so that everyone watching this is going to follow suit and be like, we have to cancel this and we have to cancel that. I've had friends texting me saying they just canceled our St. Patrick's Day parade or they just closed to this school or they're no longer having conventions at the one of the biggest convention places in the world. So... I think a lot of the companies and schools and so forth, making people work from home or shutting down travel that's non-essential, all of that is really, you're right, more about fear of liability and Mm -hmm. people being overly litigious about rather than so much it being a legitimate health concern. I understand some areas you may be like, okay, we, we shouldn't be traveling there, but just in general... Um, I don't think that the uh, danger is as high as it's perceived um, enough to make things come to a screeching halt. But right. I, th- I think that it's more of a fear of the liability. E3 just got cancelled. Um, for you guys that don't know what E3 is, it's the largest video game convention in the world that's been held since '95. Yeah, E3, E3 is massive in the video game world. It's where, it's where they're all the new new products and stuff come out for the year ahead. So yeah, that just got cancelled, which is massive because the wow. brands that the brands that go to E3, I mean, you're talking about EA Sports, you know, Marvel, Microsoft. So what they're doing is they're they're putting out they're covering all their bases they're covering the all the businesses and everything and alerting them to this could be a liability so you guys might want to shut down and then you've got the media and politicians and you know all our billionaire philanthropists screaming that this is so dangerous and life-threatening and deadly and scaring the heck out of everyone and pushing we need to contain this we need to get you turn on any news station we need to contain this no more big groups until we're to the point where we're like in our homes and here's the thing so let's go there let's just say because i'm like totally cool with that let's go there let's say we they say all right for four weeks okay we're getting we're we're heading up towards uh let's see we're in the middle of march so we're you know, we're not too far off from summer and we know that once summer comes and the virus starts dying off and everything's going to taper down, but right now we might see a little bit of a spike. So let's just contain the heck out of it. And we want everyone to stay in their homes for the next month. And if you need to go to the grocery store to get food, go for it, but we're going to close down all major things. In fact, we might even close down airports. Let's just say they go that far because they might. We're talking like a month. Even if they went two months, you know, now I realize people start thinking, well, what about my work? What about my job? And I think those are some of the logistics they're trying to work out right now. They're working on this stimulus plan. I'm sure companies are also working on on that. I'm pretty sure the government will probably end up doing some bailouts and stuff. And I know a lot of people are concerned about this economic collapse. I do not believe we're going to go into a collapse. 
I think this is going to be a temporary thing. There's going to be some bumps in the road. I agree. But, but it's not the apocalypse. And by this time next year, we're going to be looking back on all of this. Right. So I don't know. What do you guys feel about all this? I want to talk about the fear profiteers. Yes. Okay. There's three big fear profiteers that stand to profit and gain from this. And it's the mainstream media, certain Wall Street investors, and certain politicians, mainly Democrats. Mm-hmm. So mainstream media, while other industries like the travel industry are taking a hit amidst this coronavirus hysteria, one industry that's expected to come out on top is the television ad industry. Toilet paper industry. <laughs> of course, that too. <laughs> well, They're making they- a killing. They're secretly like <laughs> making plans to take over the world. How much money are <laughs> they pulling in? And hand sanitizers and, and hand products. Sanitizer. They're making they're, a killing. They're yep. combining their businesses. And they're going to be the next goddamn Microsoft Watch. Yep, exactly. The next, yeah, they're, 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 they're banking on everyone selling <laughs> off their shares and panicking while they can buy them all low. But anyways, okay, go ahead. Continue, much. <laughs> Sorry, cut you off. No, that's okay. <laughs> so mainstream media news has historically used and seen spikes whenever there is some kind of major event, whether it's real or manufactured, like a weather event or some kind of disaster. So this is no exception. They're expecting numbers of people staying home to increase because of coronavirus and the hype. So they expect to see an increase in their ratings and their advertising sales. Now, of course, mainstream media stands to profit from our fear. And this year alone, global ad markets Um, they're expected to see a 6.6% growth in their advertising uh, to a tune of $238 billion. So our panic is driving their ratings. It's driving their profits. And we need to stop it. We need to turn it off because they are personally vested in making us panic. And while that's happening and the media is going up and everyone's stuck at home and they're watching the news because they need to know what's going on minute by minute because they're in a panic attack, CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, all of them are going to start pushing, even Fox, are going to push total propaganda, more fear. But even bigger than that, their focus is going to be on the election. And while we're not seeing Joe Biden stumble anymore because they're going to keep calling off the rallies, so they're only going to play clips of him when his brain's operating well. And it's just like today, right, Edge? We were messaging back and forth, and I go, hey, do you have the, all the numbers for, uh, for Trump? I keep trying to search this. I, want to, I wanted to get, like, the vote numbers, you know. And, of course, I found a few on, in Twitter and whatnot, but I was trying to get them all. And we're going back and forth, like, I'm not finding this one, are you? I'm like, no, because when you do a search, what comes up is the New York Times and CNN and Politico, and they're all pushing everything about the Dems. They won't even tell you the amount of votes that Trump got. They won't even talk about it. So that's definitely going to be going on across the television screens while people are staying home. Yep. They're going to use it to their advantage. Remember the old tactic? Never Mm -hmm. let a good crisis go to waste. That's right. So the other fear profiteers are investors, big money investors. So while they're telling everybody, panic, sell off, the market's going to crash, what are they going to do? They're going to swoop in and buy low because they they know it's going to bounce back. They're going to ride it out, wait for it to bounce back and make a killing. Meanwhile, middle-class people listen to them and take that advice, sell off their 401ks, and they're the ones that are going to be stuck. Don't make, I'm not going to tell anyone what to do, but just don't make a decision while in a state of panic. Exactly. (laughs) That, That goes for every walk in life. Right. Or you panicked. Doesn't matter what it is. And then the final fear fear profiteers are the politicians, of course. So they're going to use this coronavirus thing to try to 
make every dig possible at, at Trump, even though he's created this task force. This task force has and him have met with the NIH. They've met with all of the major insurance companies. They've gotten deals with them on coverage for people who are affected by coronavirus. They're proposing, like you had mentioned, Corey, a big package to um, the House to uh, talk about relief and funding for people who are financially hurt by, you know, not being able to work, having to stay at home, um, etc. They're working with the travel industry who's taking a big hit. They're doing and everything they can to mitigate the damage that this event has caused that they are not even responsible for. And while this is happening and they're criticizing Trump for his incompetence, so they claim, I'm referring to like Schumer and Pelosi, of course. Um, All I've been doing for the last 22 weeks. Well, they're the same ones who were against Trump from the beginning, from the get-go, when he was closing off the borders to travelers who could have possibly been infected. I know this, and you know this. <laughs> and millions and millions. <laughs> millions of people know this. Mm. It's they disgusting. They just like to pretend we don't. Of course. And what's really disgusting is when you hear news like um, several Republicans were exposed to coronavirus at CPAC and they're self-quarantining. And you see the comments coming from the other side wishing these people will get sick, wishing these people will die. It's wishing disgusting. It's it is disgusting. Disgusting. And I'm sure a lot of those are probably trolls, but there are legitimate people doing that too. Jeez, Italy's taken a bad hit with this coronavirus. Yeah, I've seen that. Their mortality Italy. rate is a little higher than ours. They've got a lot of elderly too. Mm. Mm. And it's smaller, and it's a smaller landmass. And you know, so another couple, were you still, were you still on that edge? or? No, I'm, I'm all good. Okay, because there was another angle. So <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I've said my piece. So, a couple of days ago, I had released an article on the, you know, spiraling down into logic. And I actually have some helpful links in there as, as it pertains to the drug supply chain, because I know that is a legitimate fear of some people um, that are on a lot of meds or their parents are on a lot of meds and they're concerned that, you know, well, gosh, China has 95% of our antibiotics and some, I believe, blood pressure medicine or some other things. And, and then you got India, who we order a lot of product from, but they get, I believe it's about 70% of their ingredients from China. So you can see China's monopolizing, monopolized this. And that is going to catapult change for us in the future. So in my article, I bring up a lot of positive points that I'm seeing that are going to come from this because with every disaster, with everything, you know, change is going to evolve from it. And this is something that Trump's been working on for a long time about bringing back manufacturing, cutting off ties from bad deals, trying to bring things back into the U.S., uh, meeting with Big Farm about reducing uh, prescription pricing. And, and I do believe I believe he's probably already talked with them about getting the drug supply chain, you know, central in the U.S. for our medications instead of having to go outside all the time, especially not to China. So there's, there are some positive things to this, but I do have links as far as the, the drug supply goes. As of late February, there was only one drug and they didn't say what it was because they probably don't want to create a panic that they were having a little bit of a shortage with. Other than that, the FDA is working with all of Big Pharma and these other countries. They're all keeping track of their stock, so to speak. And if there are any shortages, there's a link to their site on the FDA that lists them. But they, they are working as far as if they need to try to get ingredients from elsewhere. Some pharmaceutical companies are putting out press releases saying, hey, we're all good. We're not going to, we don't anticipate a problem because we do most of this here in the U.S. Like I, I looked up, Eli Lilly put one out and it, they're one of the biggest providers of insulin. And so they're okay because they don't get any part of that from China. So they're good. So I just want people to be aware of that. But then in thinking about that, I'm thinking, okay, so shipping, 
shipping slowing down. Hmm. Borders. How's this all going to impact trafficking? I bet trafficking goes way down during this. And then they're cutting off, you know, like I, I would imagine there are churches that are saying we're going to hold off on, you know, church for the next month. And, and you've got China's economy is definitely being hit by this negatively. And, and so there's just, there's a lot of different angles here to look at. And I think that by cutting all of this off, there's some good that can come from it. And then there's also like you were just bringing up edge as far as people tuning into the media and that in increasing. And I could totally see that because what's happening is they're taking people out of their group situations. So people aren't going to be able to communicate with one another about what's going on and with elections and, and share um, everything that we're uncovering to wake people up to truth. They're going to have to do it through social media or, you know, like you said, go on and get their news, which is going to be right. mostly propaganda. Right. So it's just a lot of different things to look at, a lot of different angles. I was really surprised to see when Gavin Newsom came out and said good things. And I would imagine they said to him, look, <laughs> we're going to work our asses off to work with you on this. And we're going to give you a lot of money to do this. And we're going to work together. But you need to put out a decent press press conference here where you know, you're keeping people calm. We don't want to scare people. So you need to make, you know what I mean? I'm sure there was some conversation about that before he came out and do that. And I'm sure he did it willingly because they did give him any, everything he needed to take care of the situation. So, but that was good to see, even though we don't care for him at all, because they do very nefarious things. That's what we need to see right now is working together in some unity with all of this. Yeah. The, yeah, mar like the market reacts to perception mm -hmm. whether it's real or not if the mainstream media creates a panic the market's going to react and so if everybody would just stay calm and not have some kind of knee-jerk reaction yeah we may have a little bit of slowing but really trump's economy has been on fire so it's gonna be okay guys if we all just take it easy take a breath and ride this thing out it may slow down the economy may slow down a bit but really we're just like light years away from where we were when we started uh, in 2016, getting things kind of back on track. People have a fear of change because they get very comfortable with situations, you know, so they have a fear of change. They have a fear. The biggest fear is losing money, you know, losing their job or losing their house or losing material possessions. But these things are all replaceable and ultimately not what is important. And if you've ever lost all of those things, you would recognize that. Not that I wish that upon anyone, but sometimes it's incredibly liberating and freeing and it kind of opens a door to all new opportunities. You know, I've been there. Yeah. So. And if you've been around long enough, you've seen a few of these instances like after September 11th with the market instability then, um, like after the uh, housing market crash in 2008, my retirement plan took a dive during those times, but it built back up. It will again. I mean, <laughs> more time at home, working in your pajamas, spending more time with your friends and family, and you can telecommute and still get paid. That's fantastic. So, I mean, try to look at the positive in things on all of this. Right. And try not to just, you know, fall into the fear and, and my God, try not to share all these insane videos of people clearing out shelves and people getting in fights and some, some strange doctor from some strange country coming out with how scary this virus really is. And just, it's entertaining though. I have posted a few. <laughs> I guess it's entertaining. Well, it, I don't know. I don't find it entertaining. I get, I get annoyed when I see it because I look at it and I go, this is a lie. This is a lie. This is make believe. These are actors. Don't go to my Twitter then. <laughs> look there's heaps of local videos of it, it happening with us with the toilet paper thing there's mm -hmm. heaps 
and they're not staged. Which is absurd. You have six cases in your entire country. It's absurd. Yeah, I know. They're losing their shit. Aussies are funny. And you know why? Because this is how it happens. They get one video to go viral of someone arguing and fighting over uh, rolls of toilet paper, and immediately it seeds everyone's minds. It throws them into panic. And then they need to go buy up all these products. And so it's like where I'm, I'm not even at home right now. I'm in another state right now. And I go into the store and the hand sanitizer. We have plenty of stocked up on toilet paper, but all the hand sanitizer is gone at the stores around here, which I would never use anyways, because there's a lot of bad things with hand sanitizer. It's just, it's seeding of the mind and then people panic. And then for the people who aren't panicking, they're like, well, shit, the hoarders just took everything up. So if I don't get something, then I'm never going to have toilet paper either. You know, it's like this perpetual cycle. Yeah. Yep. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We'll touch on this a bit too next week. We'll stay on top of it. We will. We'll stay on top of it. And I, I got, so I have two articles out this week, one on the virus with some tips and everything. And then the other one is the really good news that I need people's eyes on because we need to keep putting the pressure on this as far as helping the children and criminalizing the fact that they're trying to sterilize and castrate and change them to where they can never change back. It's awful. And uh, Edge put out a video the other day on Phil Haney. Jump on to our YouTube uh, which is hive mind. We'll leave a name. link in the description. Yeah, yep. Because that so it was really well put together and a great legacy to that man as well. So. Yeah, I loved your report. Yeah, you did great on that one, Edge. Thank you. I love that man. It's it's a huge loss, but you know mm-hmm. he will not be forgotten. So, yeah, check it out. All right, guys, are we ready to wrap? I think wrap. so. Thanks, guys, for listening to us here on Dig It. Please be sure to share this podcast. We are now on Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course, YouTube. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Stay strong. Nice.